You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. It's uh, difficult to believe. Thank you, Ian and Miss Lindsay. That was beautiful. It's uh, difficult to believe coming up in August, I will be, I will have been pastor here longer than I was youth pastor here. And uh, I remember when I first transitioned into uh, the role of pastor, and I was talking to my preachers growing up and professors at college. Uh, they told me something that I did not understand at all. It's not that I didn't fully understand it. I didn't understand it in any way possible. And they, they said, it's going to take about five years for the church to become your own, is what they said. Now you understand. You are not my own. I think you understand their, uh, what they were saying. And um, I am just now starting to understand what they meant by that. And it's an exciting time for me. Because I feel now more often, and I think even more and more often, especially on Wednesday nights, but even every now and then on Sunday nights, I'm going to take a time to teach you a little bit deeper than I really ever have in the three and a half years that I've been here. Uh, Much more pastoral messages, kind of going through basically what we believe, why we believe it, and start to make, starting to make some deeper and more personal spiritual changes as far as our church is concerned. And it's not because I've been upset with how things have been up to this point. I believe that we are growing in such a way where, where now we are opening new doors and we can start addressing some new things. So I do not want you to take messages like this as a, as a correction or a spanking, per se, any more than a parent would be yelling at their children or wanting their children to be, be upset by starting to teach them things just as they grow older. We're not yelling at a 15 or 16-year-old because they don't know how to drive yet. We are excited that they have reached that point where now we can start teaching them these things, sort of. I haven't gotten there yet. What are you, what's the, the faces that you're making one with another? So as, as your children grow, you get excited as because they've reached a certain level of maturity, because they've reached a certain level of strength, you are now able to teach them things that you've never been able to teach them before. You are not reprimanding them for not having done that over the past however many years they are old. You're excited that we can now talk about it. And that's the same thing that I want to bring forward today and start bringing forward more and more often. The reason I'm looking forward to this series on how to deal with people coming up on Wednesday, probably at the um, Wednesday nights, probably at the end of the summer, we'll look at starting that. The reason I'm excited about that is because I see we've reached the point where we can handle lessons like that and we are ready to engage 
our spiritual brains in that area and move forward. And that's, that's how I feel about tonight. So Matthew chapter 28 is where we'll go to begin with. And then we'll skip over to Mark chapter 16 also. Matthew chapter 28. God bless you. I see some of you. This is your first time on a Sunday night. God bless you so much for being here. And I encourage you to keep on coming back and uh, be faithful during the summer. All right, Matthew 28, and we're going to begin in verse 18. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And because all power is given unto me, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark chapter 16. We are going to be using our Bible a lot tonight. I figure if we're going to make some corrections and, and make some observations as far as what we believe and why we believe it, we should probably have some Bible behind it. So we are going to be turning to our Bible a lot today. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get into the message. Lord, help us to learn what I believe you would have us to learn tonight. Let us learn as a unit, but certainly let us learn individually what we must believe and what we must do according to your scriptures. We ask this in your name and for your sake, for your glory. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. My first main prayer when I became pastor here, knowing it was going to be a difficult time, we were going to miss Pastor Atwood. It was going to be a difficult time of transition. I figured what better thing could we do as a church than focusing on being a soul-winning church. And if you remember, we started a series through the book of Acts, Forward with the Gospel, and that even became our theme for year 2020. Unbeknownst to us that uh, we were going to get slapped down in March of 2020, but still we went forward. And you know what? One of our biggest years of growth was during the pandemic year. But I believe it's because we focused on being a soul-winning church. No church has ever been victorious without being a soul-winning church. Church, there's a lot of different words for it, right? A witnessing church or a preaching church, a gospel sharing church. I like the words soul winning because that is a Bible term. We get it from Proverbs 11 verse 30. He that winneth souls is wise. Jesus uses a similar term to that when he says from here on you shall catch Men, that word win in the Hebrew in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 is talking about catching, ensnaring, capturing. You will capture men like you capture those fish. And if a church is going to be victorious, it needs to be a soul winning church. The countdown to a church's death starts when it turns her eyes inward and stops reaching out to the lost. There is not one spot in scripture that commands sinners to come into the church to be saved. But all throughout scripture, there is a command for the church to go out 
and to tell sinners about the Savior. Some, someone asked me recently, does it bother you on Sunday mornings when you preach and nobody raises their hand to be saved? No, it does not bother me because it's, it's not our job to give the increase. It's, my, it's our job to warn. We cannot twist arms. We cannot push people into the kingdom of heaven. Now, certainly we compel and certainly we save with fear, pulling them out of the fire as best as we can. But God has no grandchildren. We cannot force other people to believe they must receive them on their own. It doesn't bother me when people don't get saved in the morning service. What bothers me is when there's no lost in the service to have an opportunity to be saved. We had lost in the, in, the, in the service this morning. And as long as we can say as a church, and by the way, there were two saved in junior church this morning. So as long as we can say as a church, people had the opportunity to leave here with Jesus or without excuse. Folks, we've done our job. Church, we've done our job. And it's for the Holy Spirit to do the rest, and we trust him to do that. But never forget that our church has grown to these numbers here, understanding that numbers mean nothing in the eyes of the Lord, other than to understand that numbers represent souls. And so, therefore, numbers do have some value as far as spiritual and, and things is concerned. Jesus did say, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus had some interest in numbers as well. Not for the praise of man, but for the work of the Lord. Understand that our church has only grown in the way that we have seen it grow because we have been a soul winning church. And I've been overjoyed to see how much we've grown in this area. I don't think we're anywhere close to where we need to be. I'm not saying that to be sarcastic or to be disappointing to you. The vast majority of our church, uh, of the members in our church, have not led somebody to the Lord in a very long time. That ought not be so. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. We are all supposed to be soul winners. We are fruit trees. We are supposed to bear fruit. And if we are not bearing fruit, we have no purpose. What good are we? So we are not where we need to be, but I am overjoyed to see how far we've come. And I'm glad that the Lord is answering my prayer progressively and allowing us to become a soul winning church. I haven't moved on from that prayer. It's still one of my main prayers, as I hope it is one of your main prayers. But then we moved on from that. And my great prayer came for us to be a praying church. And I think you remember me standing up here on a Sunday night one time and saying, you know, I, I think we are becoming a soul winning church, but I do not know that we could be called a praying church. Now, we are often referred to, we often refer to ourselves as a praying church. I know that this is a praying church. It's a comforting thing to me when I go to the hospital or when I send a text out and I know that we are a part of a praying church. So am I. I, I am very, I am very glad for that as well. But let's not be satisfied. Because I don't believe that we pray enough. I don't believe that we respect prayer in the way that it should be respected. Prayer is the greatest and yet the most unused weapon in the church's arsenal. Remember, it was a part of a prayer promise when Jesus said, I will give unto you the keys and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the church. And remember, I preached a message. The gates of hell is not talking about hell launching an attack against the church, gates are not an offensive weapon. Have you ever heard a nation say, all right, now you've done it, bring the gate out. The gates of hell is talking about us launching an attack 
against the gates of hell and them not being able to hold us back. And that was a part of a prayer promise that Jesus gave to his church. And even with the great progress that I've seen in our church as far as this matter of prayer, I still don't believe we've seen how powerful prayer can be. So I want us to keep growing in that area. It's still a prayer that we have. We have that men's prayer meeting at 7.30 every Sunday morning. Gentlemen, I welcome you to that. I want you to be a part of it. We have our church-wide prayer meeting at 5.30, and that has been growing. That is a wonderful thing. I want you to be here for that. Um, we have our Sunday morning prayer force is what I call it. Our boiler room. We have three men who are not in here on Sunday mornings. They are praying in a different room that souls would be saved. And for the past two weeks, that they've, three weeks that they have been doing that, the Lord has answered our prayer. So we will continue with that. You need to have your own personal prayer time. If you've noticed, it's been a while since we've done our prayer time on Wednesday nights. It's been a while since we've done that because church, I needed to make a correction with that. Our prayer time on Wednesday nights after service became all health, 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 health. Now, we are certainly supposed to pray for the prayer of the sick, and, and the prayer of faith shall, shall save the sick. That's hard to say. <laughs> shall save the sick. Certainly, we are supposed to pray for that. But I'm, I am weary, and I want us to be careful about turning our church prayer time into an emergency room in the hospital rather than a war room where we talk about our strategy to attack the world. And we have, we have on our prayer list about this many people who are praying for their physical health. And then when you look at the spiritual needs, it's about this many. We're praying for this amount of people who are sick in body. We're praying for about this amount of people who need to be saved. That's upside down. And we would get to the point where we would preach and we would have a good time. We would sing and the spirit would be up here Wednesday night. And then we would open it for prayer and it would be health, health, dying, dead, health, 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 health. And by the, we, were, we were crawling out of here by the time we were done. And that's not what prayer time should be. We certainly pray for the sick. But let's remember that prayer is a weapon in order to engage the enemy. We need to grow in that area. Our churches today are dying because of... Two things <laughs> that I will name now. There's many different reasons. But our churches today are dying. First of all, there's not enough preaching to put men on the spot. But then there's not enough prayer to put God on the spot. And many times God said, put, put me on the spot with your prayer. What do, you, what do you want? What promise do you want to claim in my name? And I will give it you. And our prayer needs to be specific. It needs to be consistent. It needs to be bold. It needs to be submissive and humble, certainly, but we need to grow in that area. Still one of my great prayers. Then it became a great prayer for us to be a singing church, a worshiping church. I hate a dead song service. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Gag a maggot off a gut wagon. <laughs> Never heard that before. Goodness. Heavens to Betsy. <laughs> Our music has the potential to be the greatest blessing to the Lord or the greatest insult to the Lord. It really does. And I, want, I don't like it when I can tell that we are singing just because it's a portion of our service. 
The next time I see that, I'm just going to stop it and we're just going to get into the preaching. Or maybe we'll pray because that's what we need to do. But I want us to sing from our heart. I am, I'm, I'm, I don't like to see a bunch of open mouths, but not a lot of open hearts. You know, you can sing with your mouth open and your heart closed. You cannot sing with your heart open and your mouth closed. So when I look out and there's half a dozen people or a dozen people who are not singing, there's an issue. There's an issue. And I'm worried about getting into that big space over there. Because you do not realize how difficult it's going to be to fill that space. And I'm not giving all y'all microphones. We need to sing from our hearts as if Jesus was in the room because he is. Think of how you just sang a little while ago in song service. Is that how you would have sung if Jesus the King was sitting up here? My answer would be probably no. Maybe you were singing and maybe you were singing loudly. But I don't think we were singing as if Jesus was in the room. We can grow in that area. We shall grow in that area. Our king deserves our highest and loudest and purest praise. Doesn't bother me when Brother Dane yells. I wish he sang that loud during our congregations. Doesn't, doesn't, it's, it's okay to be loud at the right time. It's okay to be loud. And we should be, especially when we're praising our Lord. But tonight, let me introduce to you the next big prayer request that I have my next big prayer request is for us to be a baptizing church. Now, I might even open it up for questions at the end of this, because no doubt there are going to be some people who have questions about what I mean. I'm, I'm going to make it as clear as possible. It, it, at least I'm going to try. I might open it up for questions. So if you have any, you can write them down. But here's why I'm bringing this forward tonight. On Vision Night... At the beginning of the year, we set a goal to pray for the Lord to allow us to see 250 people saved throughout this calendar year and 100 people baptized. Now, we are almost halfway through the year, okay? Last year, we prayed for 150 salvations and 50 baptisms. Last year, I think we saw 180-something people saved, praise the Lord, and 50 baptisms exactly the Lord answered our prayer exactly. Now, I understand we cannot force or plan salvations and baptisms. We cannot do that. God must give the increase. And we will keep plowing deep and we will keep sowing seeds whether God gives the increase or not. We're going to keep preaching and we're going to keep sharing whether we see souls saved or not. We're going to keep on doing it. But even though we have no control over salvations and baptisms, we do have a role in salvations and baptisms. And we must rely on God to do his part, but we also have a part to play. If we did not have a part, then why did Jesus command us to teach people and baptize them? We do have a part. So far this year, God has blessed with 80 salvations since the beginning of the year, 80. Of those 80 professions of faith, six have been baptized. I believe God deserves better. I believe God expects better. I believe God wants more of that. On the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 people gladly received his word and were baptized. I understand that not every person who gets saved is going to get baptized for whatever reason. We'll maybe address some of those hindrances today. But 6 to 80 is not a good ratio. I have a desire for our church to grow in this area of baptism. So tonight I've laid out six steps 
that we need to take in order for this to happen. Step one, we must understand that baptism is necessary. Now stick with me, stick with me, okay? We are not the church of Christ. We don't sing there's power in the tub, we sing there's power in the blood. But step number one is we must understand that baptism is necessary. It is not necessary for salvation. It is necessary for obedience. How I like to put it, it's not necessary to, it's not necessary to go to heaven. It is necessary to grow to heaven. It is not necessary because of some, re some religious tradition. Well, we're Baptists, so we baptize people. That is not why baptism is necessary. Baptism is necessary because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ commands for people who believe in him to be baptized. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and baptize them in my name. Three desires are given in that great commission is what we call it. Desire number one, for the lost to be saved. Okay? For the lost to be saved. Desire number three is for them to be taught so that they can become disciples themselves and they can teach other people. Desire number two, right in the middle, is for them to be baptized because that is the first step. His first desire is for them to be born again. His third desire is for them to live a mature and complete adult spiritual life, if you will. His first desire is for them to start the journey. His last desire is for them to make the journey. And that is why baptism in the middle is there because it is the first step of that journey. Just as Jesus was buried in the tomb and yet rose again to walk in newness of life, so the convert is to be buried in baptism and then brought out of the water to picture their inward faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, because I believe in Jesus Christ, I am dead to my old ways of living and I am brought up from this day forward to live for the one who died for me. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Why, why do we baptize people? What is baptism for? Romans chapter 6. Okay, so at the end of Romans chapter 5, Paul has made the argument of what I preached to you very recently, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And then you enter in devil's advocate saying, well, if I am under grace, then I can just sin and sin and sin and sin and do whatever I want and God will forgive me. He's going to combat that here. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Why were you baptized and why did you show this outward form of inward belief if you're going to go on living like you lived before you believed? 
If you are going to show that outward form of your belief, it should be because you want to walk in newness of life because that's what you symbolized there. Okay, that, that, that is not just some tradition, some show. That's not just some entrance in, into our membership. That is the person saying, I want to show outwardly my inward belief that I am ready to live a new life. We adamantly disagree with any belief that baptism is a part of salvation. However, we must also adamantly disagree with any belief that baptism is not necessary for a convert to grow and to come closer to the Lord. To see somebody saved is only 33% of our Great Commission. He has three desires, not just one. It's great to see somebody born again, but the goal is to see them one day be a mature Christian, and the first step towards reaching that goal is baptism. No Christian will ever make the journey of faith without taking the first step of obedience that Jesus Christ ordained. Why is baptism necessary? It became necessary the moment Jesus commanded it. During the early church, Baptism was treated with such importance, it was sometimes mentioned in the same breath as belief. Turn to, our, our, well, we, we already read this one. Mark 16, 16. Listen to this. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Very interesting. He that believeth and is baptized. Now, let's go a little bit further to the end of the verse. Let's not just take that out of context, right? Because entire false religions have been taken, have been based on things taken out of context. I can get the Bible to say whatever I want if I just take sentences out. I've taught you this before, right? I can take a sentence out that said, and Judas went out and hanged himself. And then I'll take out another one that says, go and do thou likewise. And then I'll take another one that says, what thou doest, do quickly. Okay, I, I can, you, let's take the whole thing. The Bible says at the beginning of the verse, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Okay, wait a second. If baptism had a part of being damned, then he would say he that believeth and is not baptized is damned. Okay? And yet we cannot ignore that such importance was put on baptism that it was mentioned in the same breath. He that believeth and is baptized. How about this one? Um, in Acts chapter 8, when Philip is talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Peter said unto him, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Time out. Did you know that that verse is not in the New International Version? The, the, Acts chapter 8, verse 36, 37, is not in the NIV. The NIV is the Catholic Bible. F folks, why would the Catholics be interested in taking out Acts 8.37? Because 8.37 says, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If that is in their Bible, they can't baptize infants. So let's take it out. If you read the NIV, it goes Acts 8.36, Acts 8.38. It just skips. I need Acts 8.37. Yep, yep. 
What doth hinder me to be baptized? If you believe, nothing hinders you to be baptized. Nothing. Get it done. They stop the chariot. They go down into the water, down into the water. Why would you have to go, why would you have to go down into the water if this was baptism? <laughs> right? Why, that seems like a waste. <laughs> they go down into the water and he baptized them. How about this one? Listen to what Peter said at Pentecost. Filled with the Holy Ghost, right? The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost as he was preaching. And after they, God bless you, after he heard, uh, after the people heard his preaching, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter says this, filled with the Holy Ghost, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Okay, now let's address that because that seems to give the impression that baptism is necessary for the remission of sins. It seems to contradict other very clear passages that say, whosoever believeth, nothing to do with baptism, right? Now, let's not even get into James where it talks about faith without works is dead, right? Faith without works is dead, being alone. If you truly have inward faith, you are going to show it in some way, okay? I love my wife. And because I have that inward love, it's going to come out in action. And it's the same thing with the Lord. When you love him, you will do something for him, okay? When you truly believe inwardly, you are going to express that outwardly. When you believe in St. Nick, you're going to express it outwardly by writing him a letter, asking him for all the stuff that he never sends. <laughs> Horrible illustration, but you get what I'm saying, okay? All right. Imagine with me. Imagine with me if we were at the airport, Dad, okay? And you were about to miss your flight. And I tell you, hey, run and grab your suitcase and get on the plane. Or grab your suitcase and run, get on the plane, okay? I have told you to do two things. What's the first thing I've told you to do? Run. What's the second thing I've told you to do? Grab your suitcase. Which one of those actions is actually gonna get you on the plane? Dad, I'm asking you a question. <laughs> I chose the wrong person, didn't I? You know English. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Brother Ben. No, I need a smarter person. Miss Emily. <laughs> grab your suitcase and run and get on the plane. Two things. I've told you to run. I've told you to grab your suitcase. Which one of those is actually going to get you on the plane? It's that easy, Dad. <laughs> Run, okay? That is what is going to actually get you on the plane. Now, if you grab your suitcase, you'll have a better trip. Yeah. Repent and be baptized. Two things that Peter tells them. Repent, be baptized. Which one of those is actually going to bring salvation? Repent. Repent. That, that is going to get them to heaven. What's going to give them a better trip? Right? And it was so important they, that early church understood the importance that Jesus emphasized on. We're not just looking for salvation here. We're looking for growth. 
We're not just looking for a, a ticket punch to heaven. We are looking for people on earth to preach. And in order to do that, they are going to need to grow. And the first step in that is obedience. The, the early church had an, uh, or, or is baptism for obedience. The early church had the understanding that baptism is very important. Somewhere throughout history, the church has lost that understanding. We must get it back. We must understand baptism is necessary for these converts to grow. And we need them to grow. They can go to heaven without it. They cannot grow to heaven without it. And what are we here to do? Fulfill 33% of the Great Commission or all of it? We're here to do all of it. Step number two. This is a mouthful. <clears throat> we must believe... That because Jesus is the one who made baptism necessary, the Holy Spirit will help to convince their convert, uh, the convert of their need for baptism just as much as he convinces them of their need for salvation. We believe that no person that we ever witness to will trust Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. No man can come unto me except the Father draw him. And the, without conviction, there is no conversion. We believe that because the Bible teaches that. Do we believe that once a person is saved, the Holy Spirit won't work to convince them of their need to take the first step of obedience? If we can trust that the Holy Spirit will show somebody their need to believe in Christ, then we must have the confidence that the Holy Spirit will also show that person their need to take the first step of obedience to Christ. Doesn't Philippians 1, 6 say, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ? Doesn't Titus 2 tell us, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. The Bible teaches salvation is just the beginning of God's work in the life of somebody. So if we can trust God to begin the work, enough for us to share with them their need of salvation, shouldn't we also trust the Holy Spirit to continue the work enough to share with them their need for baptism? Does that make sense? Yeah. Why, when we knock on the door, are we so bold to tell them about the gospel and you must believe, and then once they believe, we shy away from telling them about baptism? Wait a second. The same Holy Spirit that helped open their eyes for their need of salvation still wants to work in order to open their eyes for their need of baptism, in order to obey. I think if we could visualize the Holy Spirit next to us, many times when we knock on a door, we lead somebody to the Lord, or we're talking to them up here, and we say, all right, that's wonderful, and then we leave off, the Holy Spirit would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have so much more to say. Why are we stopping? If we can trust him to begin it, we can trust him to continue it. So step three, we must recognize our part. We must recognize our part. The Holy Spirit is not going to descend like a dove and tweet in their ear that they need to be baptized. Just as much as God relies on you to share the gospel, he is also relying on you to share their need to obey and take that first step of obedience in baptism. Go ye therefore and teach. That is a command. Well, so is go ye therefore baptizing them. 
That is just as much a command as the first one. We cannot keep leaving these newborn spiritual babes on the doorstep without teaching them how to take their first step of obedience. We cannot keep doing it. We are, a, we are appalled when we look out today and we see people who have no problem with fathering children and bringing them into this world, but then doing nothing to see them through this world. We're, we're appalled at that. We should be ashamed. We should then also be ashamed when we bring a spiritual babe into this world, but then do nothing. Then do nothing to see them through. So for those of you who have decided to be a soul winner, take the next step. Don't just be a soul winner, be a soul teacher. When you become a physical parent, your job is just beginning when that child is born. And you have to see that when you lead somebody to Christ, your job is just beginning. Just as your job as a physical parent is not done until your child can walk and live on its own. Your job as a spiritual parent, which is a Bible term, by the way, Paul always said, my children in the faith, your job as a spiritual parent is not done until they are saved, baptized, and discipled and teaching their own. Now, we can't control who gets saved and baptized. I understand that. But we must do all we can to make sure that both of those happen. And I think we're ready. I think we're ready. I think we're ready to do it. So step four, let's begin praying fervently for God to help us be a baptizing church. Lord, what can we do in order to grow in this area? Show us the importance of it. Give us a desire for it. You know how many people ask me, why, 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 why am I not seeing souls saved? You're on your way. As soon as you ask that question, you're on your way. If you want to know how to become a soul winner, start with having a desire to be a soul winner. I have never, never met a person who came up to me and said, I so want to lead somebody to the Lord who did not lead somebody to the Lord within six months of them saying that. I've never met a person. If you want to be a soul winner, just have a desire for it. We've got to start right now, Lord, give us a desire. Okay, he answered that prayer. Okay, why would he not answer that prayer? We must have a desire to see those waters stirred. Convict us when we see souls saved, Lord, but then we do nothing to see them grow. Now, if we're going to pray for rain... We should bring an umbrella, right? Remember the farmer who needed rain? And so he said, son, we're going to pray for rain today. And they fall on their knees and they pray for rain. And then they go to leave the house and the son says, where's your umbrella? And the father says, what are you talking about? We just prayed for rain. If God is going to answer, shouldn't we bring our umbrella? That's faith. That's really good. So if we're going to pray for rain, let's bring our umbrella. So step number five, five. Let's make getting baptized as easy as possible for the new convert. Let's take some practical steps here. So let's always have a clean baptistry. So here's what we're going to do this week, men. And Brother Ben and I are going to do it without your help or with your help. So you are more than welcome to come. But we are going to take that down. We are going to clean it within an inch of its life. We're going to move it out, and we're going to cut out the carpet 
right there under it, and we're going to put some type of flooring underneath it that's not affected by a filtering system. We're going to put a filtering system in there, some type of chlorine, bleach, something to make sure that that is clean and not getting all slimy and mildewy. I mean, there were catfish in there the last time we baptized somebody. <laughs> so that is going to be happening this week. If you want to help with it, that's wonderful. But let's, let's have that up and running again as soon as possible. By, by Wednesday night, let's have that up and running again, but with something where it's not going to damage our carpet. Okay? That's an easy step. We always have clean towels. That's great. We always have clean robes. Let's also do this. A lot of times when we talk to somebody on Sunday morning and we talk to them about baptism, they'll say, I don't have a change of clothes. So here's what we can do. Let's not only have, we've already purchased robes and we've already purchased towels. Let's also purchase shirts in all different sizes that they can keep and that they can use. Let's purchase shorts and some type of skirts for the, I don't know. Ladies, I'm going to need your help on this, okay? I can think of the men's side. I need you to work on the ladies' side. But something that they can wear underneath their baptismal robe that they will not mind getting wet, and that way they can leave, they can leave their clothes dry. Just something simple that we can do. Let's get some hygiene products back there. Let's make sure that we have a hair dryer. Let's make sure that we have hair nets. I know that this sounds silly, but it's, let's take away all of the no's. Let's say, well, I, I don't want to get my hair wet. We have something for that. <laughs> let's, uh, and again, ladies, I'm going to need your help. I don't know what you need in order to, to, to look as beautiful as you do. Please help me with that. For guys, we just need some gravel and, and dish soap, and we're good. So we will work on the guy's side. But ladies, write some things down. Hey, this is what ladies need in order to make sure that they would feel comfortable with it. Here's another thing. I don't think the baptisms need to be a part of our service. A lot of times people feel rushed. We can dismiss and have them baptized afterwards. We can invite you to stay. Hey, we're going to have a baptism. Stay if you would like, but we are going to dismiss right now. If you want to stay and support them, let's go ahead and do that. But then also, we are certainly going to be pushing for them to be baptized immediately. But here is something that we will know as a church. The first Sunday of every month is a dedicated baptism service. First Sunday morning of every month. That way we can tell people, hey, you need to be baptized. If they say, well, not, not today, and we cannot overcome their objections. Well, how about the first Sunday of the month? You, are, you will hopefully not be alone. That is a dedicate. We always seek to baptize people on that day. Just different things that we can do there, okay? But here's what will make baptism, I think, the most easy for our converts over all of that. Next step, and it's step six. Be bold. Be bold in our teachings of the need for baptism in this matter of obedience. Be bold in it, okay? I went to the doctor the other day. Chill out, not really. It's an illustration. I went to the doctor the other day. I'd never go to the, I'd never go to the doctor. And I was sick. I needed to get better. And the doctor looked back at me and said, well, one thing you could do is this medication. Do I need to take it? Well, well, I, I guess, I guess I wouldn't want to impose. I ain't taking that medicine. Are you kidding me? But if he looked back and said, you're sick, I understand that you want to get better. I want you to get better too. This is what you need to take. This is what you need to do. This is your first step for it. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Is there any way to get around it? Nope. Not if you're going to get better. Not if you're going to get better. 
you need to take this. At that point, I will be a lot more apt to listen to that person. Let's be bold. As bold as Peter was, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized. All right, not only get saved, take your first step. Take your first step of obedience. Don't just get married, wear the ring, right? If I take this off, am I still married? Yeah, I'm still married. I don't need that. But my wife's going to be a little mad that I'm not wearing the ring. Why aren't I wearing the ring? Is it because I want to get in a relationship with somebody else? Is it because I don't want other people to know I'm in a relationship with her? People, Jesus wants to know, if, if you want to get in this relationship, why aren't you wearing the ring? Is it because you want to get in a relationship with somebody else? Is it because you do not want other people to know that we are in a relationship? Whenever I talk to somebody and I talk to them about baptism and I invite you to use this as well, I always say, so-and-so, Jesus did a lot for you, didn't he, when he saved you? And I make them answer, yes, he did. He saved you from hell. You will never have to taste one moment in hell because of Jesus. He did a lot for you, didn't he? Yes, he did. And he didn't have to do it, did he? No, he did not. If there was one thing he asked you to do, would you do it? Absolutely. He asked you to be baptized. And it's important, it's necessary. And be bold in it. When my preacher, he grew up in the Catholic Church, and he prayed for his mom to get saved for years and years and years. She finally got saved, and she was Catholic, as in as you could be, as far as the Catholic Church is concerned. She walked down and talked to the preacher. She said, I have trusted in Jesus as my Savior. And he said, ma'am, you need to be baptized. And he explained it to her, and she said this, I could, not, I could never be baptized in a Baptist church. I would be slapping Mary in the face. Here's what the preacher said. Ma'am, if you don't get baptized, you'll be slapping Jesus in the face. And she said, where do I change? And she got baptized. It's going to take that boldness. Brother Danny, I hope you know I'm not trying to embarrass you, but you put off baptism for a very long time. How many years, sir, did you put off baptism? Eleven years he put off baptism. He will be the first person to tell you, I handicapped my growth by not being baptized. Baptism is so important. We learn in Scripture that when a person believes, nothing hinders them spiritually. Nothing hinders them spiritually. Will something hinder them mentally? Perhaps. And we need to address those concerns. Will something hinder them physically? Yeah, perhaps. We need to address those concerns, not shy away from them. Will, will something hinder them? Maybe. But let it never be said that our lack of obedience or our lack of knowledge or our lack of boldness was a hindrance to them. So invitation time. First of all, I think some of you need to be baptized. I think some of you are saved or some of your kids are saved and they're not baptized. Tonight, okay? Tonight, come forward, get it done. We have everything ready. We don't have a hairdryer. I'm sorry. You'll live. You'll live, okay? We'll get the hairdryer later. But then I invite all of you. I invite all of you to take time where you are or come forward and pray for us to take this next step as a church. Would you do that?
Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.